if you look at other cities that are similar to Cookville, they have multiple and some of them are monthly, some of them are quarterly. So it was weird to me that we didn't have any. And there had been some in the past, but they had shuttered or just hadn't published in a really long time. Providing inspiration and community for women in business of Middle Tennessee. This is Powered by Her with Tiffany Anton. Welcome back to Powered by Her. I am Tiffany Anton, and I have my good friend and newer entrepreneur to the scene of Cookville, Chelsea D'Artez. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. We had scheduled this um, way long ago. Like, remember that? In September, and you had like, I don't even know. Kids got sick, I think. Yeah, it was like... No, it was maybe like May. Something. It was it a was long time ago. A long time ago, and kids got sick. And then you have done the whole entire circuit scene of all the podcasts of Cookville, and so we saved the best for last. Right? And I'm closest with you out of everybody that has a podcast. And you're my last visit. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I'm honored to be at the end of your press circuit. Thank you. So Cookville Lifestyle Magazine is a magazine you started just over a year ago. Yes. Um, where you published the first episode just over a year ago. Yes. You've been working on this for probably almost two years now. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, yes, it is crazy. We'll get into the details of all Cookville Lifestyle Magazine. Let's take a second to thank our partners. A reminder that reading is key to battling depression, to relaxing, and getting a good night's sleep. To getting ahead in your business or life, reading is key to learning to focus for those of us with ADHD or racing minds. And what woman doesn't have a racing mind? (laughs) Amen to that. And you know where you can find a book friend ready to help you pick up reading as a habit? At our bookshop called Plenty in Cookville's downtown on Broad Street. Plenty is a name because it's about creating a life of abundance. The kind of life that often begins with reflection and quiet in the pages of a good book. Find yours today at Plenty Bookshop. Plenty. They're one of your partners. Um, Lisa Urich was just uh, recently on your most influential she was and they Lisa have a Ander. whole display yes her and her husband in plenty right now with all the recommended reads that the influential people gave us they have a whole display set up with all of those books you can go buy them yeah um so you started a magazine which you have no ex- this is not your previous history of anything <laughs> no sort of though kind of goes hand in hand yeah. with what I did before marketing but... and, and PR for things yeah. so tell me kind of the Chelsea D'Artez story um we've we've stolen you here from Nashville yes you're not even a Nashville native though you're no. originally a Texan yes I went I'm from Texas I went to Belmont University um, why Belmont I just wanted to be in the music industry um and I googled it and that was the place to go and I had a family friend from East Texas he was in the band Little Texas if y'all god bless Texas that song I had a friend that was in the band he was the bass player and we had lunch with him I guess down in East Texas or maybe it was in Nashville and he told me you have to go to Belmont so after that and then also I was friends with Linda Davis she's Hillary Scott's mom from Lady A. Okay. Um, and so she told me to go to, she was from my area of Texas too. And she was like, you need to go to Belmont. So when I first moved to Nashville, I'd like go to her house for dinner. So you had like kind of a family ish connection Yeah. at 16, 17 years old. And you're looking at colleges and you know, you want to be in the music industry. Did you feel like you wanted a career in music? Did you, or like, um, you know, like you want singer. 
I was yeah. a country singer. So I played did, guitar. Was that sang. what you thought you were going to be the next Taylor Swift? I mean, I'm not saying this in like in a mock, you know, at, no. at 15 years old, that's a, can be a realistic dream for people. I wanted to pursue it. I did it very diligently, like my whole childhood. Every weekend when my friends were doing other stuff, I was going and performing all around Texas. Wow. Um, State so, fairs and stuff? Like what kind of... They have Opry's in Texas, mm-hmm. like the Grand Ole Opry, but they're everywhere in all the little small towns and they have like house bands and you go and perform with them. So I did that. I did fairs. I did festivals, things like that, all in Texas, all my school stuff. Church. I feel like maybe... So there was one Christmas that I um, did not have my front teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost them both at Christmas time. And so my parents would like stand me up on a fireplace and I'd sing, all, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I think maybe well, this is a, a little bit... <laughs> I feel like maybe what you're telling me is a little bit different than what yeah. I went through as a child. I was in like intense voice <laughs> lessons. I recorded like two albums. It's kind of, and my Whoa. parents, every time my daughter gets in the car with them, they put my album on. Oh so embarrassing. Gosh. It's not good. I look, go back and listen. And I was so pitchy. Um, but can people anyway. find these? Can no, people find your music? the out? days before iTunes. <laughs> Thanks God. Somebody, um, Susie, somebody can, if we can find Susie, she can probably give it to us. And My we can mother probably, probably has a Figure stack. out where to like upload it to for Please the Please don't leak it. <laughs> if Susie's listening, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, yeah. So, um, so you real, so when you went to Belmont, were you still planning on pursuing that dream of performing or were you thinking I can be, it's more likely that I can be in the supporting music industry at this point? So I went in as a music business major, not like a vocal performance or anything like that. Cause no matter what, I wanted a business degree to learn how the industry works, even if I didn't end up doing it. But at Belmont, every single person is a musician and an aspiring artist or songwriter or whatever. So you quickly find out that you're not very good. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what happened. Well, and maybe it's maybe it's not even that you weren't you're not that good it's just you understand the the range of yeah, like other talents takes. is out there and it's like yeah maybe you're good for you know the opry scene in texas but in nashville it's not you it's know insane. it's a whole different level yeah and i figured out like how much drive other people i thought i had a lot of drive but mm-hmm. not i didn't want to give up my whole personal life to chase a dream for 10 years mm-hmm. and that's basically what you have to do so anyway i fell into the music business side of things and i really loved it and i did management i did marketing i worked at like warner I worked at the Grand Ole Opry in the marketing department, and then I started doing PR, and that's where I found my groove, really. And your passion and, like, kind of what you were good at. You're such a people person, and so those relationships, I'm sure, really were able to... progress your career along yeah and I worked at a bar throughout college I met so many music industry people at that bar that also helped my career um so yeah I just same bar that you helped your personal life as well yes I met my (laughs) husband there we sang uh what a picture by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow it was a karaoke bar oh yeah (laughs) and that's the first time we met his friends put him in and it was terrible but you know that's how it happened um but Anyway, so I started a company when I was 21 or 22 in 2011. So I was 21 with a partner that I had met from New York City. And she was in New York City doing, she actually worked at a magazine called Star Magazine. And she was doing more national type media stuff up there. And country artists would hire her up there to do like their New York City media tours. So she moved to Nashville and didn't know anybody in Nashville. And I had already 
met so many people in the media realm in Nashville because as a publicist, you need to know media, basically. Mm -hmm. And so we combined our strengths and started our company. And um, we had it for 10 years and we worked with big artists from... I mean, mainly like 90s country, like Lone Star, Clay Walker, things like that. Uh, the Oak Ridge Boys, which is, you know, like 70s and 80s. But I feel like um, um, Amazed was one of my like prom songs oh, yeah. of the late 90s, early 2000s. They have so many good songs. And yeah. so does Clay Walker. We had Lone Star on the Today Show, and that was such a cool experience. And then we did like People and all that kind of stuff in New York. We've yeah. done, I've done a lot of like the New York and LA big national media do you think you went through a mourning period, you know, because you, your whole childhood until going to college, you really felt like you wanted to be a performer. Mm-hmm. So when you realize, okay, I'm probably not go- going to live out this dream of performing, did you go through a mourning period of like, okay, what do I do now? Or was it like, okay, let's just pivot and keep going? And, and- Yeah, no, not really. Because I thought, I feel like I really fell in love with the music industry. So, and I just knew that I wasn't as good as 30 of my friends. Well, and I'm sure too, you know, like that life, the life path too of just like, okay, well, these are the values. I do want to get married. I do want to have children. I do want to have a life and not just a career. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that helped. Right. Exactly. And for most people, you have, you can't do that. You have to focus all your energy and time on building this career yeah. and dream yeah and making no money and like barely scraping by for years and years and years and then there's maybe a one percent chance still that you get somewhere with it yeah so it's just I didn't want to be one of those numbers you know yeah. so anyway um and then I did meet my husband when I was 21 too and I think that kind of shifted my perspective focus so were you still well, after you got mar- married were you still traveling doing publicity for yeah. some of these places and um did you feel kind of like you were starting this your your home life and your family and mm-hmm. and being torn between the the two? Not or? until I had kids. Yeah, I was still fine when we were married. I would travel all the time. I was on a radio tour with a girl trio for like six months. About at least three days a, a week, I was gone mm-hmm. at least, um, and it was so fun. And I'm so grateful for that time. I really advanced in my career and stuff, but. Um, he was fine with that and it wasn't a big deal but when I had kids yeah no well and and so at you're living in Nashville which is kind of the mecca of the music industry and Mm -hmm. and you're doing all you're going to the Today Show and you're going to LA and at some point you decide your husband gets a job here in in small town Cookville Mm -hmm. rural I mean it's a micropolitan city Mm -hmm. um so it's not we have about 30,000, 35,000, I think, yeah. in Cookville. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you go from Nashville to Cookville. And we didn't have kids at that point. So we would just, I was still, com- we, we both picked a house that was right off the highway so I could easily hop on the highway and commute. So I was commuting probably four to five days a week still at that point. I still had an office on Music Row at that point. So were you like, there's, I, I, there's no way I'm going to settle in Cookville. Like I'm a, a big city girl. Kind of, yeah. We wanted to live here because I didn't like Lebanon for some reason. Mm-hmm. And he would still have to drive. It just didn't make sense for him to have to commute. And I don't have to be at my desk by 8 a.m. No matter, even when yeah. I was in the music industry, I could make, I was flexible. Yeah. So, um, kind of, we thought maybe we would move again. But then I just fell in love with Cookville. 
And when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I don't want to live in anywhere else. I want to stay here. So I'll just work from home and I'll go in like a couple days a week. I'll go in, I'll make my meetings around like two days a week so that I don't have to go in every single day. And then I'll go to two shows a week, like at night or whatever. But once you have kids, it just becomes really hard um, going anywhere at night, at least, you know, and my daughter had some issues when she was born. And I think that totally changed my perspective Um, because she had to have two really major surgeries right off the bat. And it was just crazy. So I think that kind of showed me what was important and why am I killing myself for the music industry, you know? So um, finally, when I had my second kid. We'd already lived here for, I guess, five years when I had my second kid. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I need to figure out something else to do with my life. Well, and so, again, did you go through a a mourning period of like, okay, well, I might not be traveling to New York and L.A. And I might be doing something different that's not as glamorous, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. Did you struggle with that at all? Or were you like, okay, this is where I belong and this is where I'm going to make my roots and I I can make some waves here instead of in New York? Yeah, I struggled with it because it's kind of a rat race, the music industry. If you're not present, you people quickly forget who you are. And like when they're deciding on a publicist to hire, you won't come into their mind. So if I wasn't going to be at all the conventions and all the festivals like CMA Fest, then I became kind of obsolete in a way so I struggled with that part of it because I did kind of drift away a little bit but I was still getting hired to do things but some of my clients were like well we want to go to see we want to play CMA Fest and I could have booked them to do it but I didn't want to go with them you know so yeah it was a weird struggle for a little bit but finally I told my clients that you know hey I can do remote work for you, which a lot, they need a lot of remote work still, but I'm not going to be your girl that's with you at every single thing, introducing you to all the people. So let's find you somebody else. So I tried to help my clients find somebody else to fill that role. And then I was like, okay, done. I will work in the music industry on a remote capacity, which I still do take artists as on a consulting basis. Um, But that expectation is they're up front. Like I am not going to be in Nashville with you at all. Do you think that part of, so, um, for people who haven't heard or, or don't know, or aren't from this area. Um, so you, there was a, a contestant from Cookville on mm-hmm. the voice, mm-hmm. um, Jake Hoot, and he actually won the voice. Yes. And so you started working with him, but he was a hometown hero here. Yeah. And that worked really well. I was going to say, do you feel like that kind of helped you kind of make a name for yourself in Cookville? Because, you know, before that, you know, yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the community really at all. Yeah. We're, I mean, you're, you're making waves in Nashville, but we're far enough away. We're about an hour and a half from Nashville. And Mm so it's not enough that people here really care that much. Yeah. For sure. I hate to say it that way, but, um, you weren't, you weren't making a name for yourself here, but that kind of bridge with Jake Hoot helped people uh, establish you here of like, who is this Chelsea lady? Right. I met a lot of people through Jake. Um, Philip Gibbons, I've known him for years and years because of the music industry, and he would do uh, the Grand Ole Opry and stuff like that, and I would bring my artists to him on their radio stops. So I've known him for years. He was my 
introduction to Jake because he was he was like Jake needs you when he was on the voice before they went to I guess the live rounds and Jake didn't even have a website or anything so I came in and kind of like took over the management role with Jake and then I partnered with some people in Nashville with him and I introduced him to so many people in Nashville and meetings and publishers and labels all that kind of stuff but when we were planning Hoot at the Hoop I met a ton of people when Jake won and then after that I met I met a lot of people through Jake for sure because I was the person facilitating every single thing he did. That was my role. So anytime somebody wanted Jake to perform at something or come to an interview at this or that, I was the person there with him and just putting it on his calendar and sending them everything they needed. So, so were you, when you, as that kind of transition happened, did you think I could make something happen in this community? This community, his wall, you, you know, you were making these connections with people. Were you thinking, yeah, maybe I can do something else and, and I can start something here. I never really had the intention when I started working with Jake to leave Jake's team or the music industry. That still wasn't even a thought in my mind. Um, but as things started getting more and more busy with Jake in Nashville and he moved to Nashville and I was needed so much more, you know, Hands on. In, in person, mm-hmm. I started to feel like this isn't working for either of us. It's not going to, Mm -hmm. you need somebody in Nashville that can easily go with you to every single thing you do. And we did have a team, but even then they were busy. One of them was Blake Shelton's manager. So like he was super busy with him. So Mm -hmm. he would need me to pick up the pieces. And sometimes I just couldn't. So anyways, I think that is when the shift happened of, okay. And so Jake and I had a conversation with, um, I don't know that this is what's best for either of us, although Mm -hmm. we appreciate each other so much. And so we left it on really good terms. And I taught his wife kind of how to do some of the digital stuff I was doing. And she took over that. Um, But yeah, that's kind of when the shift happened was when things just got started getting. I was Jake's main person pretty much really busy with him. So then I was like, okay, what can I do in Cookville? And so that's when. I thought about it and I started the magazine while still working with Jake. Mm-hmm. I thought I would have enough time to do it all. And then I've quickly realized the magazine is a full-time job. A lot more than you thought. Well, yeah. and, and what makes you think, I mean, this must be something inherent in you that makes you think I, you have, you, you didn't have like Adobe experience, graphic design experience, you know, what made you think like, yeah, let's, yeah, no big deal. Like, let's do this. I feel like that's how I've been my whole life. Um, I can figure it out. I'll Google it. When I was an intern at all these different places, I was too scared to ask people how to do everything. So I'll just Google it. Yeah. And I'll figure it out on my own and be like, okay, here, I got it done. Because Fitfo is what we call it. Figure it the out. Yes. Because <laughs> I don't want to bug people. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So that's what I did. And there's so many good YouTube videos on how to do make a magazine even, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I had so many friends in Nashville that were graphic designers. I had one friend that sat down with me one day for like four hours and showed me some of the really tricky stuff. Um, but I, the reason I started the magazine to back up a little bit was I noticed there wasn't a local lifestyle publication that was came out regularly that people really embraced in Cookville. And I thought that was weird because every other city, the size of Cookville has like multiple. So I thought it was a good opportunity. What do you consider? What, what does lifestyle magazine mean? Um, just content that is local and promotes 
the fun and exciting and uplifting things people are doing. I feel like it bridges the bridges the people and the businesses and, yeah. and marries them together. Right. It's not hard news. We're not a newspaper. Mm-hmm. We're a lifestyle publication. So we're not touching anything deep, really. Um, but yeah, it, it brings the community together for sure. And if you look at other cities that are similar to Cookville, they have multiple and some of them are monthly, some of them are quarterly. So it was weird to me that we didn't have any. Mm-hmm. And there had been some in the past, but they had shuttered or mm-hmm. just hadn't published in a really long time. Well, and I think this community, so gosh, six years ago now, I think, um, we had done one called Start Here Magazine. And yeah. um, the Biz Foundry had put it out. And it was about entrepreneurs and business leaders and it was well received but yeah. it was grant money that funded it mm-hmm. and it was um you know we have a team of three people and we run an entrepreneur center and we were putting a magazine out yeah so it's like a lot it's, of work. it is a lot of work and so it was well received I, I I loved it but it was like it was a one and done kind of thing because yeah. it, it is a lot to it mm-hmm. and when you started um kind of with this idea of Cookville Lifestyle Magazine and we connected, I was like, well, this is a business. You're running, you're starting a business here. And I think sometimes people think, well, it's just, it's a magazine. Like, yeah, that's not a business. I don't think people realize how much work goes into it, especially in the beginning because I was doing everything pretty much. Like I would have freelancers do the photos and things like that. And a couple writers like yourself uh, do freelance writing for me for different articles, but I mainly did everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So the advertising, the I remember begging people to be a distributor in the beginning, yeah. like, cause I didn't, they're like, what am I putting in my business? Yeah. What is this? And some people said no. Yeah. Now everybody's begging me to put their magazine there cause it brings people into their business. Yeah. But even just well, every think, little thing. I think that business aspect of things, sometimes it's hard for people to believe in something new. Yeah. And so I've said this about just even with it, when it comes to coworking is that we've had to teach people what coworking is. Mm-hmm. And I think people have to understand and like you said, there have been some some lifestyle magazines or family type magazines in, in Cookville in the past. Um, but th- Cookville is changing mm-hmm. a lot, kind yeah. of, like very fast. And so the people who maybe were, you know, big subscribers to some of those magazines might not even remember right. that anymore because there's so many new people in this community. Yeah. And so when you co- go and you're like, hey, I'm going to do this free magazine, people are like, what? Well, how are you making money? Like that yeah. doesn't make any sense. You're just going to get, you're going to do all this work and give it away for free. That seems weird. Yeah. Um, where did you, why did, why has that been important for you to make this a free distribution magazine? Well, I knew nobody was going to pay for it. People don't pay for stuff like that anymore. So how do I make it, get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible, but also make it something that people aren't just going to throw in the trash, you know, cause I feel like some magazines are very just cheap looking, like they have the staples in the side and it looks like spam mail. Yeah. So I had to figure that out and I knew the only way to do it was through advertising dollars. Um, but I think that my advertisers would agree with me if it was a paid magazine and you had to buy it and then there was also advertising in it, it just would not be as valuable to anyone. Yeah. You know? People want, yeah. Nobody, I mean, all the big giant national magazines are slowly going away because you still have to buy them. Yeah. You know? 
Um, but I feel like people love a free magazine, especially if it looks expensive, expensive. And, and if, if they're strategically placed in the right places of like, you know, waiting rooms at doctor's offices or, um, and, and I think one of the other things that's really great is that it's, it comes out quarterly. So Mm -hmm. it's four times a year. Mm -hmm. Um, you just released your fifth, um, issue, but I think, um, I used to, I used to love People Magazine. I was a huge subscriber, but it came out weekly and it was, it felt almost like a job to read that whole magazine in a week. And I remember like times where I'd be like, I'm like three issues back. And, and so having this magazine that it's quarterly and Uh you can read, I mean, there's some that I've read, you know, cover to cover, Mm -hmm. maybe the movers and shakers, the one that you were in, Uh, but there's some that, you know, like this last one, it's like, I've been taking it to the basketball games and be, while I, you know, they're doing warm ups, I'm reading it in between basketball, yeah. you know, so it's, and it's, it's, kind of, it, it's pretty evergreen. The, the things that you're doing is that that material will last for that, at least that three months, three, yeah. four months. Um, but even a year later, you look at the original issue that was um the most influential people for 2022 those stories are still impactful to this day yeah and so i think that that's been something that's really been um important in what you've been doing is that they are evergreen it it is evergreen content so it can sit there for you know people can have four issues sitting on their coffee table in the waiting room at a doctor's office and somebody can read through all of those and they still kind of make sense yeah well thank you for saying that um yeah I think that's important and also the articles go up online because I'm not an idiot I know that eventually you won't be able to find I don't want these stories to just die yeah you know so I put them up online a few weeks after the magazine comes out so that it gets even more traction for those stories because they're amazing and I don't want them to just go away in the magazine you know I want do you feel like you set out to was like which came first the chicken or the egg did you want to make something that was impactful to the Cokeville community or did you want to make a magazine I wanted to start a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a good answer. Yeah. I mean, I wanted people to care about it. So I strategically thought about how they would, what is going to make people care. Mm-hmm. But I also am not working just for the heck of it. Yeah. 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 You know? Um, yeah. So it's interesting because I do think, um, like we said, people don't even realize it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're very, very strategic. You clearly, even though it was music business, the business sense of things has been able to, to be in play. And I think people don't think that sometimes, but you wanted people to care. And so your first issue you decided, and we're going to talk on the next episode about kind of backlash of some of sometimes that you can get mm-hmm. when you do go so hard with something but you decided to to call it the 2022 most influential people yeah and you picked people who were big names quote mm-hmm. unquote big names in the cookville community and that made people care yeah and you weren't stupid about that yeah I, I know CG was like what am I doing what am I going to who's Chelsea yeah. she said that yeah I, I and think I'm like thank god they took a leap of faith because I was worried they would be like I'm not doing this rinky dink thing I don't even know what it is yeah you know but they all well and that did it. and I think that's the other thing when you're starting a business and I I've um 
Emma Crabtree with the glass tangerine did the same thing is that she started her social media presence before the anything was there was anything to even really follow yeah and I think that when you're starting a business and you want to make something impactful and big that's really important is to kind of have the presence but have like a a buy-in from people Mm -hmm. do you think that that was like I mean I'm sure that was strategic again you're no dummy yeah I mean definitely it was strategic um choosing people that were huge figures in the community it was very strategic well and even every time you do it you have teasers that come out and yeah you started the social media probably six months before the first magazine ever came out I think I started my website six months I mean the social media I had mm-hmm. like a, as soon as I started the company yeah I secured all the social media it was up I just didn't really post anything well I mean but you started posting stuff and it was yeah. like six I mean, months before it came that's out that's where stuff. that's where I I was like who's this person what's going on oh, behind the scenes yeah. and I you know I'm always just like I want to be inclusive and supportive yeah. of, of things that are going on and I realized that the biz foundry empowered by hair have this platform of people that we can connect uh, yeah. like I always say I don't know that I have any skills aside from connecting people and I'm I'm decently good at that but I'm very good um and so that's kind of why I reached out and I was like what are you doing and you know yes, tell you me very supportive tell me all the things actually that's how I met Luke Ramey how <laughs> the, did we meet the, I don't even know um I reached out and said hey oh, okay. what are you doing um and I did the same thing with cookville creative i i saw that cookville creative was a business and i was like hey what are you doing and and can i come get a tour and so that's kind of who i am is is i just want to kind of know what's going on and but i think it helped get your presence out there of like okay there's this magazine there like and and that's important even if people don't know exactly what it is or what it's what's happening it gets a buzz going and they want to be a part of it and that's why I do the parties and stuff because I think people see the parties and they're like oh I want to be a part of this yeah and so I did a party for the first one and most of the influential people came and you know it was bringing those big figures in the community together to make it a legitimate thing yeah you know and Um, and I think then we're going to talk more about this but then then you get kind of the backlash of like yeah, we're going to talk about the backlash next next Yay. episode. But um, if people want to find, there are a million places that people can find this magazine now. Yes. So you and can if you come can't to the Biz Foundry and find some there. Yes. And if somebody is out, let me know and I'll restock you. But yes, oh. um, it's all over town. CookvilleLifestyles.com slash find the magazine. Cookville Lifestyles. With an S. With an S. Dot com. And then um, find the magazine and you can figure out where it's all distributed. Mm-hmm. You can um, also on the website sign up to have it mail to your house yes you can order it online and it you can sign up for like two years and you don't even have to worry about it and it'll come to your mailbox so um and so do you ship out of state because we have listeners all over the world we ship every well i don't know out of the country i haven't thought that far ahead probably not (laughs) but at least state yes okay (laughs) at least throughout the united states um and so if you're we have we i always talk i don't know who these people are in alaska but i always talk about Sometimes they're like the second what most um, popular state of downloads. So um, if you're in Alaska and you want to get a copy of the Cookville Lifestyle magazine, you can go on the website. Um, how can people follow along on social media? Just cookvillelifestyles.com. All of our socials are there. Or it's just Cookville Lifestyles on And at the moment, you're a kind of a two-man show. Yeah, myself and Andrew Buckner. He's my person that's basically on retainer with me and then I have a ton of freelancers that help like my lead photographer does most of the photography and then I have 
other photographers that do different feature stories and different writers like yourself. Mm -hmm. Tiffany Anton does a small business spotlight. Um, So I have a bunch of freelancers, but Andrew Buckner is my person that's like my teammate um, at this point. So So he's my editor-in-chief. So if you want to connect directly with Chelsea... An email through the Cookville Lifestyles at gmail.com. Cookville Lifestyles at gmail.com. And and you're you're check you're directly checking that. Yeah, I do all the social media too. So if you send me a DM, I will see it. So if you want to connect with Chelsea, you can find her in all those places. Make sure you tune in next week for some juicy um more conversation with Chelsea. If you want to know more about Powered by Hurt, head over to poweredbyhurt.com. Join the community, support the cause, and we'll see you next week.